Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, ASU football is playing, ASU basketball is playing. It's it's a full time. It's that time of year with a, a little overlap. We're not probably going to have much overlap because I I don't think our football season is going to extend past Thanksgiving weekend. We, we have to win out to have that be a possibility. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's that time of year where both are in play and... Uh, yeah, where, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with basketball quickly, or do we want to start with football and end with basketball? Let's, I'll leave it to you. Let's do basketball quickly. So, Tarleton okay. State, uh, rousing game for Tarleton State. It was. State. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. Coached by former Kentucky head coach Billy Gillespie. I know. I did not know that. That, that was a surprise to me the night of the game. Me too. Um, he's had quite the career. He's, he's had quite the rise and then quite the – fall into sort of anonymity but yeah still going um but look it, it, the asu bugaboos in basketball under bobby hurley in the post trey holder era of not being yeah. able to shoot free throws uh still exist it has they do they do yeah there was i mean i didn't see the game uh, you know it was on pac-12 net i was following versus- online uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I don't have, uh, unlike football, where I can, I can, you know, give you some actual observation with my own two eyes. Basketball, I, I don't have it. But what I, what I looked at in the box score and the game cast, not overly inspiring. Now, it, you know, college basketball teams have very, you know, ugly performances sometimes in November, and they end up a forgotten footnote by the, you know, the time conference season rolls around. Uh, but. We don't have that track record, so that you know, it, it was it was a win, and that's about all the good I can say about it because it, it didn't seem like it was overly impressive. Yeah, I um, I, I got to be honest. If they can't muster a better showing by the end of the non-conference season. I'm not sure how invested I'm going to get for the conference season. I mean, I I don't know either. It's you know, as we've discussed over the last couple of years, basketball is is tougher to invest in than football because one, there are just simply more games. Two, there's a lot of weeknight games, um, more games on Pac-12 Network, which you know are are impossible for the two of us to watch uh, and many others. And and so it's it's tough. I mean, you you have to. You have to really want it, and uh, I mean it, it's it's not easy. You know, it's not like back in the old days when games were on Fox Sports Arizona, and you know, okay, you could watch a lot, and you could see all the road games, and and also, yeah, I, I don't know either. I mean, we'll we'll see. Long ways to go. A lot of new parts. A lot of you know, moving parts. Uh, it, but you know, we've heard that the last two years, and the team has not really come together until you know. I mean, last year, late in the year, they kind of did, but it was way too late. Like that, that just won't cut it. Yeah, can't you can't wait till mid February to find your stride. Uh, you don't have to have it in November, but you you have to have it sooner than February. Let's uh, let's talk about football now, because basketball we're going to find out more tonight than we will. NAU. We will. So yes, yes, lot lot more to uh, put in the old, uh, you know when we consider a verdict on this basketball team, there's a whole lot more evidence to consider football. We're, you know, we're, we're 
three quarters of the way through the season. And yeah, let's let's talk. Yeah. So okay, the UCLA game went uh, not ideal, but comp- you know we fought moderately as expected. I think both of us picked scores in the in the ranges of forty something to thirty something. Well, it was it was fifty to thirty six, so we weren't far off. Um, you know, defense was bad, just really bad. I mean, like just huge running lanes just all over the field. Like, I mean, UCLA got seven touchdowns. They felt like they could have named their number, basically. Like, I mean, the only reason it was a game in the fourth was UCLA fumbled at midfield, just a, a totally unforced fumble, you know, fumbled handoff that that allowed ASU to score again and get within six. Um, but, yeah, the, the defense is, is bad. There's no other way to slice it. So that leads to one question I have going into the rest of, you know, the final four games, I guess. Yeah, three. Three games. You're optimistic, but yeah. <laughs> it's probably if we, three. If we yeah. win out, it's four. Sorry. Then there's four. In yeah, my yeah. head, I, I just I went mean, straight I, to the, I love the Freudian optimism, but yeah. I don't share it. Um, is it just going to be that we have to outscore these teams? Like, they're not the best offenses in the conference. No, I mean, I certainly think that's how the Arizona game is going to be. I mean, Arizona has all year been a, you know, they can score a lot, but they give up a lot. And I think in, in they've lost six games. I think all six games they've given up 40-plus points in those six losses. Um, so, I mean, they, they give up a ton of points. And, you know, that, that game feels like one of those that could definitely be a track meet, uh, you know, both teams in the 40s, defense optional type of game. The next two, uh, you know, they've played more. I mean, both Washington State and Oregon State have played more games this year, kind of lower scoring, certainly Oregon State, good defense. Um, you know, Washington State's an odd one because they throw it a ton, but their games aren't particularly high scoring generally. Like, they've they've had a lot of games. I mean, that, the Wisconsin game, I think they won, what, 17-14, like they've had a couple of outliers, but mostly they're playing games in the twenties, low thirties. It seems like. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm 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 fascinated in a way by these next two because of yes, our defense I think stinks, and I think that we can say conclusively. But how good is this offense? Is this offense that we've seen three of the last four games actually something, or is it simply a product of playing three pretty? poor defenses. I mean, UCLA is number 12 in the country. Their defense is not good. And Colorado and Washington are very bad defensively as well. So I'm not sure what to make of it yet. Yeah. I We'll find out, I think, the next two weeks. I am curious. So I think we're on the same page. Emery Jones is done. Barring an injury, he's he's not taking another snap. Oh, yeah. I mean, Borgay's been been very solid um and in some ways better than solid uh, you know again i want to i want to see it against better defenses but yes it's it's his job the rest of the year unless he gets injured so with that in mind we are not i don't think we're tying the next coach to borgay we're not saying like no guy is here right no no he might be here he might be. I mean, I I would be willing to give him a fair chance to compete. But yes, if the, if the next coach you know wants to bring a quarterback with him, either from his current place or a guy he coached 
before somewhere else you know yeah absolutely you know i mean the bourguet story is nice i mean the bourguet and iguano stories are very sort of parallel like they're they're both kind of the you know the, the guys who weren't really considered for this job they you know no one really thought they could do this job but now they're kind of uh, overachieving and everybody is happy about it but like is it is it a long-term recipe for success i'm still skeptical of that yeah i'm optimistic here in that if we i i should say i'm optimistic about if we wind up with a borgay aguano pairing next year I'm not writing off the season the way I thought I would have been four weeks ago. Agreed, agreed. And and so that that actually is a is a good transition to one of the things I've thought since Saturday. Because, you know, I was in the I was in the ASU radio booth. I was helping, you know, do stuff. And so, you know, I'm I'm with some folks who are who are homers. Let's just call it what it is. And and listening to them and the kind of like roller coaster that they were on of like you know, every time something good happened it was, you know, and not literally, but it felt like, you know, every time something positive happened, it was, Aguano deserves this job full time. And every time something not so good happened, it was, well, this was nice, but let's move on. And and I, I, I left there and Sunday morning just found myself thinking, can we just kind of accept it for what it is? The guy's done a nice job of injecting a little bit of life into a dead season. And, and that is nice. He's made this season feel like... It's worth paying attention to, which in September I wasn't. I wasn't sure that would feel that way by the time we got to November. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's come in and he's done a nice job of of you know getting the players to play hard and getting them to compete and changing quarterbacks and calling the plays and it, and it's like okay, there's there's a little bit of juice to this season. It's not, you know, his winning percentage as the head coach is. 333, which is the same as Herb's was this year. So it's not like he's engineered this massive turnaround, but he's just made it. He's made it a, a program with a, a pulse for now. I don't know the long term, but at least for this year, like you know, it feels like you're. It's worth caring about. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean he's the long term answer. Uh, it does not. Um, you know, like. Yeah, there's some good things, and I know. I mean, you didn't see the game, but you know, there were there were several times we were confused on offense, had to call timeouts, took a delay a game. So, like, there's 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 things there that you know, if you want to say uh, the coaching doesn't seem super sharp, it's there if you want to see it. Yeah. What? So, what was your overall take about the the atmosphere? The atmosphere was pretty good. It was the best crowd they've had all year. I think. I mean, I think, I think the numbers back that up. And, and you know, multiple factors. It was you know, weather was really nice. You know, it was, we're in November. Temperatures have turned here. It's a night game. Um, good opponent. You know, not not USC or Oregon level, but still a, a good opponent with a recognizable brand. Um, but yeah, it was a good atmosphere, and I, I I do think there is a little bit of fan support stirred up by Iguano and. Or, you know, Borgay's not a Phoenix kid, but he's an Arizona kid, you know, walk on. You know, people like that type of stuff. Um, but they tend to like it 
for a little bit and then then they want success and again like we're going to judge the guy on wins and losses if we're going to after they beat washington say well you know maybe he deserves the job then we have to acknowledge that he's two and four as the head coach now, i don't want to like rip him but it's not like he's come in and, and gone you know five and one and got us uh, you know into uh pac-12 championship conversation mm-hmm. yeah so i mean he's done a nice job and you know, we've belabored this point. We'll probably belabor it again. I like the guy, you know, but I, I'm, again, I'll just, I'll say it a thousand times if I have to. He's fulfilled the duties of an interim coach very well, but the duties of an interim coach and the job of a full-time head coach are not the same. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I agree I'm very curious what the room thinks in the, uh, you know, Michael Crow office. When Who knows? You know, when it's Who him knows? and Ray yeah. and whatever number of consultants they have bilking the university out of this money. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, and I don't know if you've read it. I've read a couple different allusions to you know asu really isn't uh you know making good pro i mean it was in espn and it was in a kent summers article that you know asu is behind the other schools in their search they they haven't made the progress that you'd expect and like that does not make me feel good i you know it could just be a canned line and i hope it is because ray anderson in the kent summers article ray anderson said you know we out of respect for sean iguano we're not we're not really starting the search process until the season's over. Like that's, if that's, that's true, I, I can't I, think of a dumber thing that I've ever heard. No, the process can, should, can and should be going right now. And Aguano's yeah. performance right now is part of that process. And you should judge be, him on should it. be. Yes. Yes. I mean, if that's the case, then you should just name Sean Aguano, the full-time coach, give him a two year contract that you can get out of easily and, and do this again next year. I mean, I hate to say that. I know that's a little bit extreme, but like, if you're going to waste half of September, all of October, and all of November waiting for the season to finish, to, to get started on the process, you might as well just wait till 2023 to do it. Yeah. Just just make him the coach. Keep him as, you know, just extend the interim tag. And again, I, I realize how absurd that is to say, but it, it almost feels that way. Like, you are, you are missing golden opportunities if you're not out there working on this now in the last month. Yeah, as you and I talked about, if you weren't going to make the change last offseason and you're going to make the change after three weeks or the change is made because the coach quits on you and takes a job back at ESPN, whatever happened, you need to act. I mean, Matt Rule got fired. Yeah, Yeah. these guys are out there. Scott Frost got fired. The other places aren't waiting. You know, yeah, you probably can't go talk to the offensive coordinator for Oregon. You probably can't go talk to the, you know, defensive coordinator at Georgia. But you you right. can sure as heck start interviewing reasonable candidates who might yeah, be able to Yeah, yeah, and, and putting out feelers for those guys. Yeah, yeah you're probably not going to have formal interviews with, a, with an assistant who's, you know, got a team in playoff contention right now. But you start putting out feelers, and then that way – the, you know, the Tuesday after the conference championship games, if you want that guy, you have him in for an interview and you move quick. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you don't wait around. So 
Yeah, I, I just, I mean, again, I'm hoping that's just a canned line that he said to make himself seem like a good person. But, you know, this this venture, this business that is college football is not about being a good person. It's about being successful. And if you can happen to be both, great. But, you know, you get no points for, for being a great guy. Um, you know, the list is long of, of coaches who are, you know, smarmy and cheaters and whatever and arrogant. And most of them, many of them have, you know, championship rings on their fingers. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, like it was a, it was a, a, you know, you said it when you first, we first, you know, introduced the topic. You said we fought. Well, we did, but we also were down 35-10 in the third quarter. And yes, we fought back, you know, and, and took advantage of UCLA kind of going into a, a prevent mode. And, you know, we, we made them sweat. You know, we got it to within six with six minutes to go. Uh, we made them have to earn it down the stretch. But that doesn't erase the fact you're down 35-10. You know, so that there's still concerns there. It's not like we, we fought them tooth and nail for 60 minutes. Yeah. Well, let's before we get too far afield, let's um, let's go back and talk about the defensive side of the ball, where you, where you yeah. said that you know they don't look that good. There wasn't much. To say. <laughs> is it, not that good is is the course. nicest way you could put it. So I guess my question is: obviously, I think we're changing defensive coordinators. That that yeah, was probably a given. So. Before the season started, that we were yes. switched defensive yes. coordinators after the season, but is the cupboard bare, or is there you know because you're about to lose like two thirds of your starting linebacker core? Right, it's it's tough. I mean, like some of it does feel like it's it's coaching in a way. I mean, when you got when you got just wide open lanes. That feels like maybe not as much, you know, the players can't make plays as just like, are you not are you not coaching them to be in the right spot? I don't defense is harder to evaluate as a as a casual eh, I wouldn't say we're not casual fans, but as a fan. You know, we don't know the schemes. You know, offense you can you can say, you know, oh, the quarterback was accurate with the ball, the receiver dropped the ball, the, the running back missed the lane. It's it's a little easier over watching on T V or in person to evaluate. Defense is tough. Like, I don't know. But what I do know is that outside of the Stanford game, which is really an anomaly for, for both teams, because Stanford's defense has been terrible most of the year, and ours has too, and yet somehow that game was 15-14, um, you know, we've just been a sieve in the conference season. And Utah got whatever they wanted. USC, 42-plus, should have had more. Uh, you know, Washington, we beat them, but, you know, it was a shootout, 38 points, I think, allowed. Uh, Colorado, we gave up a season high in points to them. Uh, you know, this game was 50, so, like, our defense is bad. There's no, there's no disguising that. Yeah. So, how is it fixed? I, I don't know. Yes, new scheme and new coach, I think, for sure, but it's, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take some work on the personnel, too. So, I, I guess I have, this is something that sort of, we've talked around it. I don't think we've specifically addressed it, but do you have any, <coughs> excuse me, do you have any thoughts or feelings on 
whether we should be targeting an offensive coach or a defensive coach. I am, I'm guessing that your answer is best available coach. For sure. I, yeah, I I don't have a real feeling on that because I I think, you know, successful coaches aren't even always one or the other. You know, sometimes it's a it's a special teams coach. Sometimes it's a, it's a position coach who's coached both sides of the ball in the past. So I don't necessarily have a lead on that. I mean, you know, it's 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 headline grabbing to get the young savant offensive coordinator, the the you know Kenny Dillingham type, and and we do need to grab some headlines in a positive way. So there is that. But gosh, you know, if it's a defensive coach who will bring a good young offensive coordinator with him, by all means, yeah. I agree. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I I don't have a preference because, you know, there's a, the other part is, too, like football's littered with guys who are good coordinators and they're not good head coaches. Mm-hmm. So so you say, you know, well, I want this brilliant offensive mind. And it's like, well, is he going to be a successful head coach? I, I'm willing to find out. I'd like to find out, if, you know, about Dillingham or whoever. Um, but I can't guarantee it. It's, a, it's again, it's a different job. It's like being an interim coach and a, and a head coach, not the same job description. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's certainly, it, it's certainly a big hire. It feels big because this isn't like we lost a coach because momentum was going well. Oh no. You know, exactly the opposite. We yeah. haven't really been in that position since uh, the eighties when John Cooper left to go to Ohio state. Yeah, I mean, every every coach since then has been fired. So, yeah, we we haven't been in that position, and that is why. I mean, we talked about this several weeks ago. That that argument that like ASU shouldn't be a stepping stone. Like, we should be happy to be a stepping stone at this point because that would be preferable to firing a coach for underachieving, which is pretty much what we've done with every coach since John Cooper, even Bruce Snyder. You know, he had two really good years, and then they went back to the mean, and he got fired in 2000 for underachieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so, yeah, no, and, and for this one, maybe maybe more so than any of the others where we fired a coach, it is certainly not, you know, oh, we're, we're replacing the coach on the way up the mountain. Now, we're, we're, we might not be at the bottom of the mountain yet, but if we're not, we're getting close. And we got to get a coach to get us back up there, even halfway up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm very concerned. I think is the fair. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I, I mean, I can't say I'm not concerned. I, I don't know. I, it's hard to describe. I, I don't have a lot of belief in the group in charge of finding the next coach. And that's what makes it tough. Um, I have gotten, I don't want to say like super invested in this season because I mean, you know, three and six, we're not going anywhere, but it has been more fun the last couple of weeks to watch this team and kind of see what they're doing. And, and, you know, that's been fun because I, I didn't feel that in the first part of October. I felt like we're just, you know, kind of going through the motions to get this season over. And instead, like, I'm, I'm curious what happens on Saturday. I want to watch that game and see what happens and say, you know, like, it's, it's at least gotten me a little bit more invested in the present than I was 
earlier in the year. Yeah, I I agree. I um I am very comfortable with the statement you made that Aguano has done everything you would ask of an interim coach. Yes. I, yes. I am now very curious what that looks like. You know, and I'm not sure it should mean anything. You know, for, of, for his chances, I don't know if it should mean anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think it's you know, there's not a perfect metaphor for it, but like, I mean, this is one I've sort I, I haven't totally worked it out, so hang with me. But like, say you own a restaurant, and you know, right in the middle of a big party, your you know your head chef quits, and it's a mess, and so you ask the you ask the waiter to go out and charm people and kind of smooth things over and get them to, you know, accept that it's kind of a mess and, and the night isn't a total disaster and okay, you're, you're good, but are you going to hire that waiter to be your head chef the next day? No, because it's a different job. Yeah, it's a shame you don't watch Below Deck and the Below Deck family of shows because I don't. your no. example is almost directly on a below deck where there was a okay. head chef who quit or got fired or something. Yeah. And th- they made the third stew, the acting chef, because she had cooked on her last boat, but it was not like she cooked like crew food, not exactly. like okay. fancy yeah. food. So, so fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, like Iguano's making the best of a bad situation and that's awesome. And it's great. And he deserves congratulations and a hearty pat on the back. But but I don't want the head coach's description to be make the best of a bad situation. I want the head coach to make it a good situation. So so I just like that's my whole thing is I what he's done this year should really be completely independent of your evaluation of him as a potential full time head coach. Yeah. Because it's just different. He's gotten you know, he's gotten a bunch of guys who could have quit. And I quit. And that is enjoyable. You know, it looked like they were in the Utah game. I remember talking to you after that saying, like, geez, they, it's just going to get worse. Well, it hasn't. And and so all credit to him for that. But, you know, the, the head coach's job is, yes, to get your players to play hard. And he's doing that. There's a lot more to it. you got to recruit good players. you got to have good assistants. you got to go out and raise money and glad hand and work with the media and there's just there's a whole bunch of different job descriptions than just being the interim coach yeah yeah i do appreciate that that the team has rallied around and by the team i don't mean the players i mean like they put ohana on the side yeah yeah yeah. as you and i said this might be your one shot sure sure it's a it's a uh, you know I want to say feel good story because again we're still three and six but it's it's not a feel bad story like it started out this year um you know i i do i keep going back to something you said and i think i don't know you know if you read it somewhere or somebody on, you know but like you said early in the year before herm even got let go you pointed out that like it felt like herm was building this team just to not get embarrassed like you know to play every game where you could compete but you weren't really going to win many games and it feels like Iguano is the opposite. Like, he's, he's aggressive. 
you know, we're, we're, we're going for it on offense. We're going for fourth downs. We're, 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 you know, we're throwing the ball. We're trying different things that like he, you know, he's going down swinging. Whereas it felt like Herm was willing to just kind of go down and just don't embarrass me on the way down. Yeah. It's, it's a flash instead of a whimper. Yeah. Yeah. Which then I go back to like that Oklahoma state game. And part of me thinks, you know, was, I mean, like, I'm not saying it was fixed. Don't don't mistake what I'm saying. But was it was that a little bit of you know Mike Gundy saying, well, you know, we'll take the foot off the gas a little bit because you know we're not going to embarrass this guy. He's a good guy, you know. Like you know, we'll, we'll let them, you know, we'll we'll get it done. But we're not gonna we're not gonna run it up on him. And the score looked like well, that wasn't bad, but maybe it was a little fool's gold. Yeah. Um, I I am cognizant of time because i yes. unfortunately have a real job commitment after yes. this but let's talk about the sec uh yeah we got to review the weekend yes so you asked for and i gave you what i believe to be an accurate assessment of alabama football under nick saban and that this I know. Was exactly the type of time where they would rise up and they certainly weren't at a Jaden daniels I know caliber quarterback beat them and then they did they did they did I, I I we could probably talk about it for a long time and maybe we maybe we will in the offseason when we have more time but there's just something there's just something missing with Alabama the last couple years and it, you know it's you know it's like rich people problems I mean they got to the national championship game last year um, this year they're still a top 10 program it's not like they are horrible but sums off they play a lot of close games that in the past they would just dominate. And like outside of Bryce Young and Will Anderson and, and probably Jameer Gibbs, the running back, like they don't have a lot of guys or really any guys that you feel like they're elite. There's a lot of, there's a lot of name recruits, but they're not playing to the hype outside of those three. Really? Is it the shift in offensive coordinator? You think it certainly could be. I mean, that and just in general staff turnover. I mean, that's been a consistent thing, and they've managed to survive it year after year. But you do wonder if eventually that takes its toll. You're, you're you know, you're churning assistance. You're churning, and, and you know, are you also just eventually do you recruit players who have a little bit more mentality of like, well, I'm a five star. I went to Alabama, so it should be easy for me. I'm owed this. And, and, you know, like, I don't, I don't have to go the extra mile because I'm an Alabama five-star and I'm just, you know, it's just going to, we're just going to dominate every game. And it, you know, it, I mean, when, when dynasties end, and I don't know if this is the end, I really don't, but when they end, they usually don't end in one year. It's, it's a slow burn. It happened with Florida State in the 2000s. It happened with Miami. It happened with USC. You're still getting elite recruits, but those elite recruits aren't playing as well. And that kind of feels like what's happening with Alabama the last couple of years. Yeah, agreed. You know, so I don't know. I, it was, and yet to the end, to the end, I expected them to win. Like, I mean, they they gave up the lead multiple times. They had they had two leads in the fourth quarter, and they had a seven point lead in OT. And the defense gave it up on the ensuing possession all three times. And yet, when LSU lined up to go for two. I fully expected them to come up with the stop somehow, some way, and win the game, and it would be, you know, well, Alabama does it again, you know, can't run it. And they didn't. And and so, like, 
I don't know. But, look, I don't like Brian Kelly much right now, especially, you know, we've discussed our feelings on Jade Daniels. You got to credit him, man. They they played well. They answered mm-hmm. every time they had to answer, and they came up big at the end. Yeah, and it's a big move to go for two. It's, it's it is. Like it's gutsy. It's gutsy. For their program. No, no doubt. No doubt. And, and, you know, look, I mean, again, I'm not the biggest fan of Brian Kelly in the current moment. Maybe I'll soften on that as time goes on. But what can't be denied is the guy is the guy is successful everywhere he goes. He won, you know, a D2 national title, I believe. He was good at Central Michigan, MAC championship. He got Cincinnati to the Sugar Bowl. He, you know, got Notre Dame to the playoff two times in a BCS title game. Now he's off to a good start here with a with a roster that really wasn't thought to be, you know, a top ten caliber roster, and he's got him number seven in the country with a golden opportunity to get to the SEC title game if they, you know, basically if they win one more game, they should make it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can't deny he's a pretty good coach. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we'll we'll see. Um, but yeah, very surprising result because I, you know. I told you last week, like, oh, I need you to convince me that Alabama, but in the back of my mind, I thought, he's right. Alabama's going to assert their will, and they're going to leave no doubt. And then watching the game early on, it was just yet another game where they couldn't get out of their own way. They, mm-hmm. they don't run the ball. They, they don't block well. They don't tackle well. It's just things that you always took for granted with Alabama teams that just don't do them well. Yeah. Uh, before we run out of time, let's quickly touch on uh, Tennessee, Georgia. Yes, as well. Yes. Um, well, smooth transition because Georgia right now feels like what Alabama used to be in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, like that was that was what Alabama with Saban always did. It was like big game, oh flashy offense, look out, and then they just suffocate you. And that is that is what Georgia did Saturday. Yeah, well, and when we talked about coaching turnover and what's different, that's, yeah. That's, Kirby Smart's different. I mean, it's no been doubt. a while. He's been no at Georgia doubt. for a while now, but you know he. But he's he's getting some guys who used to go to Alabama, and and I'm stealing that point. The Athletic had an article about that earlier this year. That like, you know, the stars they used to get, they're more spread out now. Kirby's getting some. Fisher's getting some at A and M. They're not winning, but he's getting them, and and you know that's maybe why Alabama isn't as elite as they used to be. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's going to be interesting moving forward to see if this is like the slow crumble and the emergence of Georgia as like... Of Georgia, long term. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, what Alabama's done is incredible to be, you know, for... I mean, this is, I believe, the first time since 2010 that they've had a second loss this earlier in the year. That's amazing. You know, they've been a, a title contender every year down to the last week of the season from 2011 to 2021. That's, it's that should be impossible in today's game, yeah. uh, you know, but, but they've done it. And the fact they're probably playing out the string in November feels so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I was legitimately thinking today, like, if, if LSU wins on Saturday, Alabama's eliminated from the West, no matter what they do Saturday. And I'm thinking, if that happens... Do you, do you sit Bryce Young for the last couple? I mean, like, what's the point? He's already banged up. He's probably, he's almost certainly leaving for the NFL. Like, do you come to a mutual sort of like, you know, thanks for everything. We're going to take care of you. Maybe you play him a series or two in the Auburn game just so we can get a salute from the fans and, and that's it. Because like, why risk him? 
Yeah. You don't want him to end up like Tua in yeah. his last year. You know, some major injury that, you know, affects his, his NFL career in some ways. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a serious consideration. because which, which I can't believe I'm even thinking that, but I, I think you have to think about it. Well, and you also want it to be a mutual decision because what you don't want is for him to just be like, I'm not playing. Exactly. Yeah, you, know? you can present it in a united front. Saban can get some brownie points with, you know, recruits and say, listen, you know, our, our job is to take care of our players and he's got a bright future. And, you know, and then it also gives them a couple of games to play, you know, Milro and Ty Simpson and, you know, start the competition for next year in real games. Uh, I doubt he's playing the bowl game. And so then you think, should he even, should he play, you know, should he play the whole Auburn game? I, I mean, I probably wouldn't. If I was him, if I was his parents, I wouldn't want him out there taking more hits for 60 minutes. Yeah, I agree. So, I, you know, it's, I mean, gosh, I, we did our preseason talk and I, I think we both picked Alabama to win the title and I was certainly on record as saying I thought they were a freight train this year and they were just going to steamroll everybody and I have been 100% wrong. Uh, they've got two losses. They could easily have four. Um, just hasn't been the team I expected. Well, and you know me. I had, I had picked on the assumption that they would win until I saw yeah. otherwise. And, I and, now and seen maybe we're seeing it. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe they'll reinvent themselves next year. You know, it looked like we were seeing it in about 2013, 14. That, you know, like, okay, the, the, the run is crumbling. And then, you know, Saban went out and got Lane Kiffin, and then he got Sark, and they, they became this offensive juggernaut that really kind of peaked with Tua and all those receivers. And, and you know, they, they reinvented the program and continued the dynasty. And maybe they will again. But, you know, everything ends at some point. It feels like this could be it. Yeah, agreed. Not to say they're going to go six and six next year, but the the days of like being the preeminent program feel like they might be coming to an end. But yeah, just a they're a nine ten win program. They're a good team. Who, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not. They can beat know, anybody. Too much talent to completely fade. Yeah, but they'll, you they'll know, be able to beat anybody. But they, you know. But they might lose to you know four or five different teams. Whereas in the past, it always felt like you know. Maybe one team could beat them over a season. Maybe. Now it's, you know, A&M beat them last year. You know, Georgia beat them last year, got over that hump. LSU's beaten them, Tennessee. I mean, the conference rivals now can look and say, hey, we've, we beat this team. They're not imposing anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um. So we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, Georgia, very impressive. Interested to see how they do this. I mean, you know, now they got road games at Miss State and at Kentucky. That's tough. Coming off a big, huge emotional win, like they, they could probably lose one and still be in fine shape. You know, if they if they lose one and they win the SEC, they're going to the playoffs. It'd be interesting to see how they get themselves back up this fast for Miss State. Yeah, I'm. I'm very curious how Tennessee responds. I agree. Now they have a soft finish to the season, yeah. which helps. I think they, I mean, they have Missouri at home this week Then they're at South Carolina, which is potentially a little problematic, but they should handle it. And then at Vandy, which is going to be a, a, you know, de facto home game for them basically. Yeah. So like if they had a tougher opponent, I would say, yeah, I wonder if, you know, the letdown 
but it's a pretty good recipe back home for Missouri senior day. With, and look, I mean, if they win those three, they're going to have a real good argument to get in the playoff at 11 and one. Yeah. Really good. One, you know, one road loss to Georgia, especially if Georgia wins out, wins out and goes 13 and zero. I think Tennessee gets in too. Mm-hmm. I agree. With the wins they've got, they won at LSU, they beat Alabama, they, they won at Pitt, they, they beat Florida, they beat Kentucky handily. Like, they've got enough on the resume. And, and it wasn't a total bloodbath. I mean, Georgia was convincingly the better team, but it wasn't a, you know, 52 to nothing route or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're ahead of Oregon. I, that would be a fascinating one. If Oregon wins out, wins the Pac 12 at 12 and 1. And the debate is Oregon and Tennessee. It would be a really fascinating debate because how much stock do you put in that week one beatdown? And and if Oregon wins twelve in a row after that, which that's going to be tough. They got a they got a tough stretch here. But if they do it, man, it'd be a tough decision if you're deciding between those two, or maybe both make it. Maybe that's your three. You know, you take your SEC champ Georgia, your Big Ten Ohio State or Michigan, whoever it is, and and those two. Yeah. Good work. If TCU loses, TCU is kind of the, the fly in the ointment right now. If they keep winning, they're going to go too. Yeah, for sure. But I think TCU goes down this week. I'll go on record with that. Going, they're going to Austin. I think this is the end of their undefeated run. Well, I hope you're right because I'd love for the Pac-12 to send a team. Uh, they got a shot, man. Boy, I mean, it's it's shaping up well for somebody to emerge. But we'll we'll see. And the Heisman winner could come from the Pac-12 too. I would not. Be surprised. Those Knicks and Williams and DTR, if one of them, you know, finishes real hot and they will go 12-1 and one and win the conference, that could be the Heisman winner. Yeah, well, there's a chance Knicks could lead the conference in rushing touchdowns. He could, yeah. He's been great. He really has. He's been a great pickup, and so is Will. I mean, Williams was expected to be a great pickup, but he, he has. Like, he's probably not gotten enough credit for how good USC's been this year because their defense is awful, too. And he's like single-handedly carrying them, especially the last couple weeks. They've had receivers hurt, and it hasn't affected him at all, it doesn't seem like. Yeah. Um, well, look, we'll be back. We're going to talk about all of this and more until next yes, time. Yes, indeed. He's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.